Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Ryan Hildebrand and Efren Villarreal from Palace Social coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. We follow her on Instagram at Mary Lee Clarkson. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I am well. I'm rested this week. Happy to be here. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Sandbrook's management group, that is the company behind the Pit Room, Candente, and 1751 CN Bar, announced that it will open Andiron, a wood-burning steakhouse, in 2022. Mary, I, I'm on the record. Candente is one of my absolute regular haunts, and I have uh, enjoyed meals at both 1751 in the pit room. So what do you think about Sandbrook's putting their spin on steakhouses? I'm pretty excited. I'm a big fan of pit room and 1751. Those are my two favorites from the group currently. Um, I think usually I say we don't need more steakhouses. Everybody wants to put a steakhouse in Houston and they usually don't have an original take or offering something different than their competitors. But I'm really excited to see what they have to offer because they're a really well-run group and the quality of their food and your experience, at least for for me, has always been amazing at at all of their locations. Yeah, I will say, I talked to Michael Sandbrooks about this and he has a really clear vision. They're getting, uh, you know, a Jasper wood-burning oven, wood-burning grill, similar kind of to the setup that they have it. Candente, and then they're going to source like really high quality ingredients. He wants Japanese beef. He wants, you know, domestic Wagyu, domestic prime, all of that, of course. And then they're going to kind of keep things simple, right? Kind of modeled on that 1751 uh, small plates that, that are really a, an important part of what they do. So like instead of a crab cake, it'll be like really fresh Dungeness crab, it gets a little kiss of smoke from the wood grill and then maybe it's plated with some butter or something like that. But it's, it's designed to be sort of elegant and refined and really let the ingredient speak for itself. And so for that reason, I think it's kind of a fresh perspective on the steakhouse that could be a really nice addition to the mix. For me, kind of my favorite steakhouses beside your, you know, obvious ones, Papa's Steakhouse and the sort like that is, Um, Doris Metropolitan. So I hope that they can kind of offer something different the same way that Doris does. I mean, Doris's quality of their steaks is great, but what I really like there in addition to the normal stuff is their sides, their artichoke salad, uh, their bread service, all these other things that kind of put it above and beyond your typical steakhouse. So whether it's their beverage program or this wood uh, fired grill that they're using. I just, I'm excited to see them offer hopefully something slightly different than what everybody else does. No, absolutely. And in fact, I actually, I, I ran into Michael Sandbrooks at Doris Metropolitan <laughs> maybe two or three months ago. And we were chatting for just a minute and he was like, I really love this restaurant. And, and I agreed with him. It's, it's one of my favorites, uh, not for steakhouses, but for any sort of special occasion. And so I I do think not that he was like doing research or anything like that, but, but just that, you know, we enjoy that atmosphere, the slightly less traditional, it doesn't have to be so, you know, dark wood leather. It can be, 
it can be a little lighter, the food can be a little fresher. And hopefully that's the perspective that Andiron brings to you. Uh, it's work when it opens. Super excited to see what they have to offer. I, I think they'll fit right in the landscape with Doris and, and similar concepts to that. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. Let us move on to topic number two, Sakai Hospitality, a new group announced that it is opening two new nightclubs. One is called Wild Child. That's W-Y-L-D-C-H-L-D. Uh, that'll be located on Washington Avenue. And then the, the big one is called Sakai Day and Night. It's coming to Edo, uh, 26,000 square feet, indoor-outdoor, complete with a Vegas-style resort pool, cabanas, the whole, the whole thing. Mary, I mean, you know, certainly there's been a, a boom in, in nightclubs recently. I mean, we could talk about, you know, Bottle Blonde and the Sporting Club on Washington Avenue or Rise Rooftop, you know, in Midtown, which is a, a big space with a retractable roof. I've heard some rumblings about other concepts that may be coming to Midtown soon. So, so let me just put it to you. I mean, is Houston all of a sudden a nightclub town? Oh, I feel like I'm in law school all over again when this like initial popularity of Washington Avenue was hitting in the early to mid 2000s. Um, I thought Washington had died, but I, I am wrong. I am, I am dead wrong. I think these clubs coming back to Washington is definitely a resurgence. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing, perhaps, that there's so many, but it's definitely becoming the entertainment district it was a decade ago all over again it's reinventing itself and i mean the proximity it's central to town it's easy for people to get to um it doesn't really surprise me uh that much and i i know some of the people behind wild child and sakai and i mean they're in it to win it so <laughs> i think they're gonna do whatever they need to do to make sure that these are a success right i mean you know they're promising you know, the best technology, the best lighting, the best sound, you know, a really vibrant atmosphere, really high energy. And, and it does kind of make sense that these concepts are inching into Edo just as, you know, more restaurants, more bars. More density, more people are right. living there. Absolutely. And so I think all of that kind of comes together. Uh, you know, they're not my scene, right? Like I... I can't imagine that you'll see me lounging by the pool at Sakai day and night, but I do recognize that there's a market for them. And I, I do think it will be worth sort of chronicling like how all these places do and where they sort of fit in and, and how it all comes together. Yeah. I mean, just like all these nightclubs, right. It's a get in, get out type of approach, right? So that if they, if they hang out for a couple of years, all the way up to five years, they've, they've won and then it's time for a new concept. So I think it'll be interesting to see the longevity of these concepts. I have seen the renderings for them. I have walked them. I mean, they, wild child is like, it's, it's going to be um, pretty impressive. Just the scale of this project. I don't think anything on Washington Avenue has seen anything like that. So I think by the time that they're open and they're, they're ready. People are ready for experiences. We've all been locked up for a long time. And I think these will be very popular right out of the gate. No, I think that's well said. And we've seen that kind of movement in dining, right? With the rise of these different tasting menu concepts, 
that come at a premium price. I mean, you know, you and I have been hidden omakase and March together. And so I, this is kind of the corresponding, you know, what do you do? You know, you're dressed up, you know, you just had 12 courses at hidden omakase. Like what's next? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to a dive bar, you know, you're going to go out, you're going to make a night of it. So oh, come on, you can make your way to poison girl. <laughs> I mean, I would in a heartbeat, but other people, other people may have different aspirations. No, I think, I think they're going to fit right into the landscape that we're falling into here shortly. I, I hope for everyone's sake that we're all able to go out. <laughs> Absolutely. And then topic number three, just briefly, because we'll, we'll talk about this in the weeks to come once we've had a chance to try it. But I did want to note that Railway Heights Market has opened. This is the new food hall from the Company of Nomads. We know them for Conservatory and Bravery Chef Hall. Um, this is a pretty sophisticated uh, kind of advanced spin on the food hall because it has 11 restaurants. And in the next couple of months, it will add uh, a grocery store, a coffee shop, a gelato shop, uh, a cocktail bar, a dog park. So, so right now, I think eight or nine of the restaurants are open with the wine bar, but it's going to get a lot bigger uh, maybe two or three months from now. So, I, I mean, you know, food halls, I think, really took it on the chin in the last 18 months, you know, because they're, they're sort of predicated on the idea of getting as many people as uh, sort of fit the fire limits in uh, for a dining experience, and that was not tenable, but uh, I mean, I saw the pictures on social media from their opening weekend and it was certainly busy. Uh, I don't know, Mary, let me, let me just put it to you. I mean, what do you, what do you think about food halls kind of in general at this point? Oh, in general, I think it's a rare exception to find a really great one or a nice mix of, of tenants. And I think me as a small business owner doesn't necessarily like that it's not always favorable to the tenants to be there. Like you, the amount you have to pay up front is kind of a lot for these small operators. And I think it's hard to do business in them, but this railway Heights market, I mean, it's really, really beautiful. Um, I haven't walked the interior, but I've walked the exterior and uh, seen the renderings and seen all the press that's come out. And I, I think it's a cool concept. I like the scale of it. I think at 11 restaurants and I like that there's a grocery store. I think a lot of these have missed that before that don't offer a component where people can come and actually do their shopping. Um, I think this one will do pretty well. I just don't know. I don't know what the food hall market looks like right now in terms of trying to get people from offices. I think if you can have a food hall in a neighborhood that will get the people that live in and around it, they're more likely to succeed than the ones that are strictly based downtown and have to rely on, on office workers. Cause a lot of my friends that work downtown in offices are working remotely four out of five days a week. Right. Well, that's a good point. And actually I, I should clarify, this is at the North end of Washington Avenue. So uh, on the North side of I-10, uh, Cottage Grove, Timber Grove, uh, yeah, you know, it, neighborhood. It's, it's in that neighborhood. So it, it does have some potential as a weekday lunch destination. Certainly on the weekends, you know, it's, it's got, I think, like 250 parking spots. So it's, a, it's sort of a freestanding destination. You don't have to hassle with downtown. Um, so I like it for those reasons. And I'm intrigued by the mix of vendors. I mean, Ben McPherson's opening uh, a slice-based version of uh, Bo Pizza there. They've got burgers. They've got mac and cheese. They've got samosas. They've got 
Japanese style sendos. They've got a, a churro place. They've got pierogies. So it's like a, a Cajun seafood thing. I mean, it's a really interesting mix. And, and I kind of am looking at the roster thinking like, I want to try all of those. So if nothing else, I think that's a good start. And then we'll kind of see how it rounds out over time. But, but it does feel like more of a destination and less like a food court, which I think is all to the good. I do too. I think, I think that last little tidbit you added there will help it to succeed as well as the density of the surrounding kind of young family neighborhoods uh, will make it a place hopefully people go often. Absolutely. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about two places. Let's start with Studewood Grill. This is a new casual steakhouse. It's up in the Heights at the corner of Studewood and 11th Street in the former uh, Helen Heights space. Um, Mary, let me just throw it to you. What did you think of our meal at Studewood Grill? Oh, um, I like to be a pro and con person. Um, I... Well, and, and I think that's fair. This is a pro and con meal. So yes. you, you can say the positive things and, and I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> clean it up and, and say the negative things. Okay. Um, I thought cocktails were great. I, they had a, a specialty cocktail that day, a lemon drop with a nice um, sprig of lavender on top. It was beautifully made. It tasted really delicious. I liked that. Um, I thought that we ordered two sticks. Initially, we ordered two sticks separately, and then they suggested that they have an offering, which is both the ribeye and the strip uh, with four sides. And um, I'm glad we did it that way. The presentation was really pretty. It was, I won't say baller board, but it was on a wooden board, already sliced, um, ready for a family meal type of sharing. And I loved the sides. Uh, I thought the Brussels sprouts were really delicious. I thought the other greens were u- pretty yummy. Um, the baked potato you had, you loved the preparation of that. And I thought that the ribeye was, cur- we ordered our steaks medium rare. I thought that the rib- ribeye had, uh, great flavor and was cooked properly. And that's where I'll leave it for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. I thought the, the presentation, they call it the feast. Uh, I think they can do it for, for groups starting with two and then up from there, but um, two steaks, four sides, a hundred bucks. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty good value. And it's consistent with the, the rest of the pricing on their menu. I do think that they get the presentation right. I, you know, we had a couple of starters. You didn't mention them. I, I liked, I, I understand what you were doing. I thought the crab cake was like a pretty good crab cake. And if we hadn't just gone to gratify a couple of weeks before and had their really outstanding crab cake, it, I might've liked it even a little bit better, but the memory of that, that gratified crab cake with it's like super crispy crust and then like no breading at all, just sort of crab held together by, uh, gravity or whatever, however they do that, uh, was really impressive. So, you know, I, I thought, but it was also, I think probably $10 cheaper than the gratified crab cake. So something to be said for that. Uh, similarly, it's like that shrimp boil with the potatoes and the corn was a good idea. Um, I thought the flavors were right. 
but the the corn and the potatoes were undercooked. I mean, the potato was basically uh, too close to raw, really, to even eat. And like you said, I think the ribeye, the ribeye was medium rare. Uh, the strip was a lot closer to medium well. And so just wasn't as satisfying to eat. We devoured the ribeye. We left most of the strip on the plate uh, because it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't very flavorful. You know, the life had been sort of cooked out of it. So I also think that because that, that board or of the feast or whatever, that it takes them a minute to prepare that. I do think you risk some of the food getting cold by the depth of the preparation of that platter, if you will. That's right. Right. It takes a little while to, to make that creation. And even though it's beautiful, it's like the steaks aren't, you know, this isn't like Roos Chris sizzling, right? They come out sort of warm to hot and then it sort of cools off quickly because it's sliced. So maybe caveat emptor on that. You know, if you're, if you're not doing it for the gram, if you're not one of those people who says camera eats first, then maybe pass on the board. Uh, because like I said, the pricing is sort of consistent with the rest of the menu. Um, but, you know, I do kind of like the idea of this place because, you know, sometimes you want a steak, and, you know, you want a better sort of more refined experience than like going to a, a saltgrass or an outback, but you don't want to pay up for the big deal steakhouse, you know, Georgia James, Rick and Anthony's, Pappas Brothers, whatever. This kind of slots in between those two places. It's very neighborhood. Uh, it's very welcoming. You know, they didn't do much to the design, which I think is fine because I think it looks nice. And so you know, I'm, I'm sort of willing to say, you know, execution blips, not that big a deal, like could be worked out. Um, and I suppose I should say like they, you know, we were there as their guests. So they, you know, they, they knew why we were there and, and what I do for a living and all that. So, um, you know, if they, if it's not perfect for, for us, then I would sort of wonder like what it might be like for someone that they don't know is going to be writing about it and or talking about it. But, um, but I, I would say, you know, just kind of hold them accountable or, or maybe they were nervous and just, you know, goofed, but um, you know, if they overcook your steak, send it back. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy remedy. It was the, the meat itself was very good. It's just, you know, you, you want a steak medium rare and it comes out closer to medium. Well, it's nobody's really going to be happy with that. And I think that's somewhat easily modified. Yeah, but I, but I think this place has a lot of potential. I think it's a nice addition to the Heights and I would certainly go back. I would too. I would give it, you know, I'd give it a, I'd give it a month. Let them get out their opening kinks. Every restaurant deserves a second uh, chance uh, in their opening period for sure. So I like the location. I think if the neighborhood accepts them as a, as a local joint, they'll do very well. Absolutely. And then uh, just briefly, I want to talk about Theodore Rex uh, just because we, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about that restaurant. Um, you know, Caitlin Seats just won Chef of the Year in the Culture Map Tastemaker Award. She's the chef de cuisine there. Uh, you and I had dined there separately, uh, <laughs> where we are both known, but where we both paid. So, you know, you, you chalk that up to however, uh, however you want to uh, analyze that. But, but you know, you said to me before I went to Theater Rex that you thought it was maybe the best version of itself since it converted over from Oxheart. And so I just thought you might want to elaborate on that for a bit. 
I certainly did. I, okay. I mean, just right off the bat, I adore Caitlin Steets. I think her food, her cooking has really come a long way uh, since she's been at T-Rex and, um, you know, her and Justin working together. I think for me, this is the best iteration of Theodore Rex yet. Um, I really think that the dishes in all four of their categories hit for me this time. Whereas in the past, I liked, uh, there were a lot of signature dishes that I always liked, but maybe I didn't think that every category hit um, every time I was there. There's such a simplicity with what's going on um, with that restaurant right now and the sense that they're using amazing ingredients that are executed and cooked beautifully. Um, they're not, it's like, I, I don't know. I always tell people like they ask me, what's your favorite type of food? And they always think like, I don't know, when you work in or around a restaurant that you eat caviar and foie gras and lobster every night, it's like, that's not really how we eat. <laughs> <laughs> Despite popular opinion, you know, I mean, I'll have a little caviar in there every now and then, but that's not, that's just not how I eat. So Right. We literally um, ate caviar together last week. So let's not pretend that it doesn't. And happen. I had caviar last night at dinner. So, but whatever, Let, it, besides those two points. All right. It's been, it's been a busy, a busy month. Um, but you know, you still have things like tomato toast on there, which are great, but they also have a new dish that's pickled sweet, 100 tomatoes with basil kombu. And that dish is 13 bucks and it's incredible. Um, Another thing I really liked, there was a crepe of mung beans with alpine cheese, caramelized onions, and lavender. I'm reading it because I don't want to mess up the description. Um, that was a dish that I wouldn't think that I would find myself ordering, um, but really enjoyed that. The melon- no, I, I felt the I felt the same way about that crepe. And like m- mung beans? So I'm not going to like this. Right, right. <laughs> I don't even know what a mung bean tastes like. It was so crispy and satisfying. It's like the world's fanciest quesadilla. Yeah. Absolutely. So good. So, so good. And then there's that tortellini pasta that they're making and that like rich buttery sauce with the oyster. I mean, just See, a, that was just your a, favorite. My favorite was the dumplings, um, the boiled dumplings stuffed with grass fed beef, Parmigiano, Parmigiano, Reggiano, ricotta and celery. I got both of those pasta dishes and I was like, I just way overdid it. Um, <laughs> well, literally, literally we did the same thing. We, we ordered them both. And then we had chicken and greens come for the entree. And we're just like, we didn't, we didn't need both carbs or then we didn't need something else, but they were both so tasty. I'm so glad we ordered both of them. And I then got, the chicken is really nicely cooked. It's super juicy. The skin is crispy. The chicken uh, leg and the curry, like that to me. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to order chicken here. Like, oh, come on. No, they killed it. They killed that dish. And they killed the soured pork sausage with chorizo spices and garden cucumbers. Like, I could just have starters here and be happy. But seriously, the second course and the large courses. And by the way, the panna cotta. Like, I've had panna cotta at DeMarco my whole adult life. And I told Justin, like, okay, let's see what you got. It was better. <laughs> well, that's funny because Justin came over. Justin you, the chef owner, came over to the table and said, he challenged Caitlin specifically that the only way he would put panna cotta on the menu was if it was better than DeMarco. And so he stands <laughs> by it, uh, by that criteria, which, and I generally, I am not a, I, this is one of those food writing cliches that I hate. I'm going to do it anyway. I am not generally a panna cotta person. This did not like convert me. I'm not going to be like suddenly ordering panna cotta all over town, 
but it is a reminder that when that dish is really, really ripe, that it is very satisfying. But but give me the warm strawberries or the strawberry cake. The slightly dried strawberries were good too. The dehydrated yes. strawberries, those were wonderful. Yes, that's what I mean. The the slightly dried strawberries. Yeah, panna cotta, honestly, like the magic combo is that panna cotta with the dried strawberries, like two desserts together. They're the yin and yang of, of desserts. Absolutely. All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. And I will be right back with Ryan Hildebrand and Efren Villarreal. I am joined this week by two chefs who are responsible for the work at Palace Social. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Consulting chef Ryan Hildebrand, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, sir. Good to see you. Happy to be here. Executive chef Efren Villarreal, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So, Ryan, let me let me start with you because I think people may know you, whether it's from your time at Trinity or your time at FM Kitchen. How was Palace Social presented to you when the ownership brought you on board to create this project? The, you know, it was a lot of the same PR people that we had worked with in the past. We had some connections there with Gail and Mark, that whole crew. Stuart, I've worked with just about all those guys. So when they were looking for someone to get the, the menu development started, um, Mark reached out to me and said it might be a good fit, um, asked me to come by and meet him. And um, that was really it. We, we got to talking and it was pretty exciting conceptually to kind of, you know, re-envision that, that kind of nostalgic, historic uh, bowling lane that everybody, everybody seemed to have a story about it. So there's so much history there that, it was intriguing to me to see where we could take it from a food standpoint. And, you know, if we were going to latch onto the nostalgia or if we we're going to try to bring it to a different level and modernize it. So it was, it was fun on all those fronts and that's, that's where it took off there. Yeah. I guess, you know, we should sort of explain palace social is a, is a pretty sophisticated take on a bowling alley and arcade. This is not, you know, it's where the palace lanes used to be but that building yeah. is long gone. So it's a ground up kind of modern, you know, spin on this. You know, I, I, I was sort of thinking of not your father's fame city, uh, but really it's, <laughs> oh, man. it's my generation's fame city. Wow. You're, you're aging me with the fame city. Yeah. Well, my, my after party for my prom in 1996 was a fame city. So it holds a, a very special place in my heart. Um. Efren, let me let me bring you in on this. I mean, what what was your kind of prior experience before signing on with Palace Social, and, and kind of what about it appealed to you? Well, I I, I was contra- contractually ending with uh, my previous employer, which was uh, Mr. Tony Vega, Tony's Mexican Restaurant, and Tony's Sex Mex. Um, so it was kind of coincidental that uh, Chef Ryan called me because literally a day before we were talking about restructuring what was going to happen with, uh, with my tenure there at, uh, at Tony's. And, um, I was, uh, at that time I, I was looking for a new project and he just happened to call me 
and ask, uh, told me a little about the the, uh, the the concept, what was happening, uh, the direction he was going to go into and was going into, and um, and then I just came and sat with uh, our CEO Billy Forney and met with uh, Jonathan Horowitz, and um, everything just seemed like to fit. You know, I want I, I was wanting to go in the direction that that, that Ryan was kind of laying out for me, and uh, so here I am. Yeah, so I guess you know historically. You know, if I think about kind of the the bowling alleys in the arcade games of my youth, right? It's it's you know hot dogs from the the metal spinning machine and you know nachos and uh, obviously you guys are doing like quite a bit more than that. So Ryan, let me let me just start with you. When you sort of started conceiving of the menu, like how did you how did you kind of come up with what you were going to be doing for for Palace Social? You know, it was original thought. Uh, my first blush reaction to it was to really latch on to the things that you just described, you know, like the nostalgia, you know, playing with the pizzas and hamburgers and hot dogs. And that was my first knee jerk reaction was to sort of play that up and get creative with it and do some fun things. And then through the course of conversations with everybody involved, um, a little learning a little bit more about the concept of palace social versus palace lanes. Um, you know, the restaurant set up there is not, you know, a little diner in a bowling alley. It's a, you know, it's a full service, you know, high standard restaurant that they really wanted to, they wanted the restaurant to stand on its own and be relevant within the dining scene in Houston and be able to offer people that weren't necessarily going there to game um, a restaurant they can enjoy in that neighborhood. So that's why the, the menu got a little bit, more well-rounded, a little bit more inclusive, vegetarian dishes, more seafood dishes, things to kind of bring it to that level so that everybody in the neighborhood could enjoy it independent of the gaming. Uh, the gaming itself, you know, the menu also kind of needed to address those items. Like, you know, you're not, I didn't really envision somebody ordering a salmon dish while they're bowling, but you know, in the restaurant, it makes sense. The bowling alley, you know, I was thinking pizzas and finger foods and wings and nachos, those nostalgic things when you're in that portion of the building. So it was a pretty challenging to kind of address all those different facets of the, of the project on one menu and make it cohesive. Now, at one point, we talked about having a bowling alley menu, a restaurant menu, you know, light bites for the gaming area. And it was just, it was way too much. And it just sort of confused everything. But coming up with one menu to address all those areas that are very different um, in your experience, the, the cocktail program at Palace Social is not you know, draft beer and Jack and Coke. I mean, it's way more progressive than that. So the menu needed to balance all of that stuff and reflect all those different things. That was, that was kind of the journey on that. Yeah. And, and Efren, I mean, you know, now that you're sort of open, I mean, do you, do you find the diners sort of understand they're not supposed to order the, the salmon if they're at the bowling alley, like that, that that's like for, that's for pizza and corn dogs. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, we, we gear, I, I work closely with, uh, with uh, Lauren, um, you know, she's our event coordinator and we'll talk about those things. Okay. So uh, we have uh, people coming in and they're going to be, mainly in the lanes okay let's let's see what's going to work there and um 
And so far, we've been pretty successful at, in choosing the right things. And then also when people come in and, and dine, I've not, I don't think I've yet to, to get a salmon order or a, um, a wagyu steak order for somebody that's going to be actively bowling. Which I mean, people know what they what they want, what they what they're trying to experience. So um, it's been it's it's been um, it's been it has I haven't run into any difficulties. So that's a good thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, how's it going so far? Because my my sense is you guys have been pretty busy since you opened. Yes, we have. Um, despite um, you know the the climate that we're in, the difficulties that uh, everyone's having, especially in the past few days or weeks. Um, we still have um, lots of people coming in and um, and we expect that a lot of people here. I mean, they it's it's like their their neighborhood hangout. I, that's what I wanted to get to, you know, and a lot of people feel a sense of ownership for Palace. And uh, and, and it's good. I mean, you get people coming in here saying I used to come bold, you know, way back when, uh, you know, um, my um, I proposed to my wife in the parking lot, you know, all these little stories and tidbits of people that are in the neighborhood. And it's good to be, uh, you know, to be part of that uh, reinvention, if you will, of the concept. I mean, Ryan, you said you're sort of putting this menu together and you want that, you want that kind of nostalgia. You want that comfort food. Was knowing that, that uh, Dish Society's next door doing all the healthy stuff, did that kind of free you to do the chicken fried steak and the burgers and everything else? Um, you know, it's honestly, no, not really. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of kidding. No, I, you know, it, it definitely gave us, I mean, that stuff was going to be there. Couldn't do a vegetarian bowling alley. Um, so that, you know, but balancing it and, and doing things that are current and relevant now and popular now, you know, there's a, the demographic over there is very eclectic. There's a lot of different people that come through Palace. So again, it, you know, addressing all of that, um, I don't think there's a whole lot of crossover with dish. There's some, a few similarities in some of the lighter fare, but I think as operations, they're so different that we don't run into much direct, you know, conflict with that. We don't really have, you know, people that are just driving into that parking lot are, if they're going to palace, they're going to palace for a lot of reasons. And then, you know, dish has their own demographic and their own target market. And I don't think there's too much crossover to where we're competing on food from. Yeah, no, no. I just, you know, I, I guess I, I was trying to be a little bit silly about it, but I, I mean, like if, you know, if you want both, both restaurants, obviously you're, you want them to be successful. You, they, you know, palace wants to stand on its own dish obviously has a pretty devoted following. It's like, you know, I'm just thinking like, Oh, you don't have to, I don't have to have that much in the salad department because people, People that want that, they'll, they'll go to the healthy restaurant. Well, that's, I mean, that, that, that conversation was definitely had, you know, I mean, we did, we did get a little bit of freedom to go heavier on some things and play up the nostalgia with the pizzas. Burgers, you know, the palace burger was, is not a, a light eating burger. <laughs> it's, you know, there's some stuff in there and it, that gave us the freedom to play a little bit for sure. You know, Efren, I, I had dinner there last week with a bunch of friends and uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously like I expected the chicken fried steak would be good. You know, I thought the pizza would be good. I kind of knew all that stuff. Um, you know, I was surprised at how much like we liked the meatball skillet, 
you know, that lemon pasta you guys are doing, some of the lighter fare. Yeah. Um, are people, are, do you have to kind of guide people to that or are they kind of figuring it out? Um, when, you know, the experience that from what I'm, I've been seeing is that they're like, wow, you're really pushing the envelope here with, uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's gratifying to hear things like that, but at the same time, we want to be a destination restaurant with, Hey, we also have awesome entertainment, you know? So, um, we kind of, um, the assumption is that it's going to be families that come and have dinner and don't want to be bothered by their kids. Uh, so that, you know, the kids are out playing and stuff while mom and dad are having a glass of wine and, uh, you know, some fresh pasta and, uh, great meatballs. I'm glad you had those. Um, you know, it, uh, we're proud of those. We're proud of every single, every single dish that we, we take out. We've, we've tried and we've, we've like, no, it's not going to work. Um, and, and sometimes I change things too, you know, like Caesar gate when you were there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I wasn't going to bring it up, but since, but since, but since you brought it up, explain to the people what, what you're talking about. Okay. So uh, when uh, I was, we were trying to bring a Caesar uh, salad, I was like, you know, Ryan, I want something different. I want something like, ah, you know, I want like a fork and knife Caesar. And so, you know, that's what I did. I did the leaves laid out, tiled out. But from the first day that we opened, I was like, you know what? I, I, I was on the fence. I, was like, I think I want to, I don't think it eats as well as I as I uh, had anticipated. And then when you had dinner that night and it kind of brought everything to the front and I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm changing it. That night I changed it. <laughs> well, and, and we should say, right, like my friend kind of, you know, put her own spinach. She's like, no croutons, dressing on yeah, the no side, croutons, no, no tomatoes. tomatoes. No and so it just didn't, it, it looked, it was like a pile of big lettuce with nothing yeah, on it, like, and it just didn't look good. This. Yeah. Even if even, even as I was checking, as I was expoing it and looking at it, and I was just like, man, I wish she I wish she hadn't done all these modifiers, but I'm glad she <laughs> did because that brought the conversation to the, you know, to the table. Uh no pun intended. Um and uh yeah, I changed it. Yeah, no, and and you know, I think you know, we weren't we weren't trying to make anybody feel bad or anything, but I, I think the no, idea no, no, is no, no. that is that this is a casual eating environment and a steakhouse style Caesar salad presentation maybe doesn't make as much sense. Right. Um, but I mean, you do have, I mean, but you are doing some more sophisticated stuff. You're doing the miso salmon, you're doing the Texas Wagyu. Uh, I mean, are people kind of availing themselves of that stuff or are they sticking to the more casual fare? Well, I mean, you'd be surprised. It, it just, it's such a, it's such a mix. I, you know, looking at, uh, our, our product mix, for example, menu mix uh, of items that get sold. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a collage. I mean, you know, people, if, if you're going to order the, the Wagyu steak, then you're, the person you're in your party is probably going to get the salmon. And then the third person is going to get the pasta. But if you're getting a burger, it seems like the whole table is kind of going with that theme. They'll get the Cuban nachos to start. And then, you know, the taquitos has uh, been selling a lot of taquitos. People are loving those. So, um, you know, so yeah. It, it, it's 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 a mix. Yeah, let me just let me just add to that that the taquitos, I think the taquitos were the big hit of our like bowling alley dining. That was the awesome. That was, I mean, I'm not going to say a pleasant surprise, but they were like, they were very delicious. They were definitely something I would go back to. Thank you, thank Palace you. Social to order again. Um, Ryan, let me let me circle back with you a little bit. Doing this project, working with Efren, working with Jonathan Horowitz. I mean. How, what was that like for you? And, and, you know, how do you sort of, uh, 
I mean, what do you, what do you sort of tell people when they ask you about this, this program you put together? I, you know, it was, I had a blast. I mean, it was collaborative, you know, working remotely was a challenge. Um, but Jonathan is great at what he does. He's really good at seeing the whole picture. So working with him on it and trying to figure out what would play well um, for the project was a lot of fun. The, you know, Efren came on pretty early on. So, you know, I think, I think I did a lot of recipe writing, but I think I only did like one tasting um, with the partners before Efren was involved. So we really had, really only had like one round of edits before Efren and I had a chance to sit down and go through the whole menu and, you know, redline it, add stuff, take stuff off. Um, you know, product development, stuff like that, and sourcing things came into play um, once he was already involved. So for me, it was, you know, I don't want to say the word easy, but having good people around made it, you know, a very efficient process. Um, getting the menu executed, getting the recipes developed, and, you know, getting it to where those things are standardized. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, letting Chef take it and put his spin on it because, you know, he's the one at the helm. So, you know, making changes and making sure they play well and, and work with the other dishes was really easy. I mean, it was very collaborative and I don't really like that word much anymore because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've used it a lot in the past. Too. I've always been a big fan of its potential, but it rarely ever works out. Um, but I think it did here. I mean, I think between Jonathan and myself and, the crew they have there, um, you know, Jennifer in the bar and Lauren, and they're all, they're all doing their parts well. And the, col the collaborative, there it is again, um, effort is, is effective. It worked out really well. I mean, I've, that was honestly my first major consultation, you know, beyond just a little bit of menu writing, um, you know, taking something to opening, um, it was, it was very cool. I liked it. Well, yeah. So let me just ask you, cause you did, I mean, obviously you did a chicken fried steak for FM kitchen. You did a burger for FM kitchen. I mean, were you sort of conscious of like, this needs to be different than that or, or how did that, how did that kind of like shake out? Cause you obviously you, you know, don't want to, you don't want to serve the same food at two places. No. And that's, you know, that was a little challenging cause those couple of things, they make a lot of sense there. Um, you know, in those, there are a few dishes that, that cross over just because, like I said, it makes sense in that setting. Um, but, you know, like on the chicken fried steak, the flour mix is different. The gravy is different. Um, the presentation is different. Um, the burgers, we have different weight sizes, different buns. You know, there's not it's not an FM burger <laughs> on a palace tray. Um, and again, that's also where working with Efren came in handy for me. So there, you know, there's no direct repetition, um, you know, putting a different spin on things, how we bread it's different, um, you know, sourcing different buns, those kinds of things, making it, making it palace, right. You know, making it. Palace. Was it fun to do pizza? Cause I don't think you'd ever, at least in my, in my history of, of eating your food, I don't, I don't think you've ever done pizza before. <laughs> it was fun for sure. Um, 
you know, the only time I ever did pizzas was back in my, my bistro Provence days, really, when we had the wood burning oven. Um, that was a long time ago, but I had never worked on a conveyor belt oven before. Um, we learned quickly that you should keep towels away. Um, <laughs> um, I've never seen a towel do that much damage in my life. I, um, I had to do an emergency stop on the belt last night, as a matter of fact, for the same reason. We had a, no. we, we have a new guy. Yeah, we have a new guy, and <laughs> he hadn't he hadn't heard the story of the the, uh, the conveyor belt. So I saw it actually happening, and I boom, stop the belt, undo it, take it out, easy. Man. But still the first time it happened, man, oh, man. they they got, this towel got stuck in the conveyor belt, and it was just chewing up the belt and bending everything. And the guys were, I saw, we, the guys were trying to take it out while it was still running. Um, so, yeah, you know, we use, uh, we have stones in the convection oven for backup. But, no, it was, I mean, it was, building pizzas is a lot of fun because once it's, you're just, you can start really playing around with the toppings. And, again, that's where Efren and I got to have some fun. And then sourcing the dough from Ben worked out super great. Um, so that, that was a lot of working on that part of the menu. Yeah. Efren, that's a, that's a good way for me to bring you back in on this. I mean, like, like Ryan said, you're getting the, the pizza dough from, uh, Bo Pasta and Pizza at Bravery Chef Fall. I know you're buying pasta from, from another local vendor. I mean, just maybe talk about kind of sourcing and who you're buying from and, and maybe using this, this platform to support a whole bunch of other locals that are, uh, up and coming, so to speak. Right, right. So when it uh, came down for, you know, when it came time for me to start sourcing things, you know, um, I sat down, I said, you know, the feel of this place is it's very community driven. So um, and I've always liked to help people, you know, um, that are up and coming, if so to speak. Um, and for example, Ben just called me up. He, I was going to use a different flatbread and Ben just called me. I was like, hey, what's up? Chef? Hey, what's up? We talked for a little bit. And uh, we just came, you know, he said, let me just bring you some of my, uh, some of my flatbread, some of my dough. And he did, and it blew me out of the water. I mean, it blew everything else out of the water. So I was like, yo, I'm using that uh, to the point where he, he was having difficulty uh, supplying me because he, he couldn't make, make it fast enough. So he actually hired an overnight guy so, so that they're able to give us what we need. Uh, of course, I knew Tassos from before, and he uh, called him and tried his bread and Brad's awesome. I said, Chef Ryan was there when they came uh, with uh, Jessica and, um, you know, we came to an agreement as to what we we're going to use. And I mean, it's working out great. Um, De La Casa uh, tried their pasta and their price point was awesome. And the quality of the product is just awesome. Uh, so using that, you know, um, I got to do a little tasting with some of the, um, the RC Ranch Wagyu. And at first I didn't want to go that route. So I was like, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be a high cost item, you know, am I really going to, you know, but I was finally convinced when I tasted the steak, I was like, okay. And then, um, for their tempura hot corn dogs, um, we're using their, their, uh, their Franks, which are nice, all, all beef, um, Wagyu. And it's, it's just awesome. It's great to be able to have this, these, um, these connections with, you know, people in the community and, and it feels good to be able to serve product that it's, that's, you know, local. Um, I like that. Um, and I think it translates well to the uh, to our our guests and our clientele. 
Well, yeah, and I, I think it's certainly, you know, talk about you, you want a dining experience to stand on its own, like not just if you're coming for gaming or bowling or whatever, using those kind of high quality ingredients really sets your mm-hmm. point, I think. Yes, it does. So, I mean, Ryan, are, are you are you kind of out at this point or are you are there or are there still some things you want to roll out uh, at Palace before you really turn your attention to, to your own restaurant? Um, you know, I think the next the next major menu, if it if if it kicks off, will be brunch. Um, and if you know, that's up to Chef now, man. That's you know, he's got the reins. So I've already, I've already written the brunch menu. So <laughs> oh well, good. Tell so, me yeah. about tell me about the brunch menu, and and maybe um, maybe tell us when you think you might start serving it. Well, we're we're uh, wanting to open for uh, lunch on the twenty first, and we're going to start by uh, doing Saturday Sunday lunch. And uh, kind of gets, um, you know, my cooks and everyone just acclimated to um, going from a prep standpoint in the daytime to actually doing service. Uh, once we get that ball rolling, then we can talk about opening uh, from, you know, uh, during the week, which is what I eventually want to do. Um, and then after that, uh, brunch. Um, for some reason or another, and Brian, uh, Chef Ryan brought this up. Uh, a while back, you know, when you throw brunch to the mix, for some reason, they just, it's like a branch in the system. Um, so you have to kind of um, ease into brunch. I already have the menu written out. It's all, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sectioned off by, you know, uh, breakfast items and um, brunch items, if you will. Um, it's just a matter of, um, and just some cross utilization with product that I'm already going to have. Uh, but um I'm very excited about it. So hopefully within the next month or under a month, I'll be rolling out the brunch menu. Right. And then I guess the only thing we haven't really talked about is, is the cocktails, which of course. I mean, Jennifer Caldwell, have... yeah. She's yeah. Uh, from uh, Goodnight Hospitality came over here and she's doing a great job. I mean, she's got some awesome craft cocktails um, um, using Texas brew on tap. Uh, you know, she's, she's kind of taken on the same philosophy that I have with, um, with the uh, local product. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I will say uh, over across a couple of visits, uh, the cherry limeade, the Japanese highball, yeah. the whiskey, I, you know, like I've been steadily drinking my way through the menu. I have not found, <laughs> I have not found anything I didn't like. Uh, and again, I just think, you know, talk about the compare and contrast between sort of the traditional bowling alley experience with what you guys have going on. I mean, real deal cocktails, created by a veteran bartender that's that's important yeah and it's just like you know that's kind of to repeat what uh chef ryan said it's just you know it's you look over and you see jennifer working on what she does best so it's you kind of it, it takes that pressure off you know you know she's going to do some awesome stuff you know i knew that i was walking into something created by you know chef ryan and i know his reputation you know those kinds of things working with great people jonathan horowitz uh you know all these people that know what they're doing and they do it well um, takes a lot of pressure off and it makes yeah. it fun. Right. So, all right. So we have lunch and brunch coming. I mean, do you, do you have like a vision? I mean, you know, certainly like once, I mean, once football season jumps off, you've got all those TVs, you've got yes, a pretty exciting game day environment. Yeah, it, absolutely. And you know what, I think it's going to evolve with uh, the different, you know, times of the year, football season, you know, we'll have some things. Uh, of course, we're going to plan some things, maybe, some different menus. Uh, just, I think that 
the more the uh, concept and the property matures, you know, into the community and uh, we'll, it'll, we'll find uh, different identities, if you will. Yeah. So, all right. So let me just, let me just ask you, uh, we'll, we'll sort of move, we'll sort of wrap this up, but uh, has your, uh, have you found a favorite game in the arcade yet? I mean, are you, are you like old school uh, shooting hoops and skee ball or, or have you found something? Ski ball, I love, but the, um, the first thing that I actually tried once everything, you know, once it didn't look like a construction site uh, was the uh, 3d um, theater room with the glasses and the guns and everything. And that's, it's very immersive. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a blast. And you have like, we have six different um, themes, if you will, or, or, or games on it. And it's, it's, it's to the point where you think things are attacking you, which is weird. Uh, but um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I think that's probably my favorite. Well, that seems like a, a pretty good place to wrap this up. But gentlemen, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Uh-oh. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Efren, let me start with you. Okay. What is your favorite cookbook? On cooking, text from uh, my culinary school. Chef Ryan, how about you? Um, I forgot the name of the book. Oh, no. Sean Brock's new book, the latest one. Okay. Um, South? I think it's South. South. Is that right? I'm I'm fear I'm furiously Google. Yes, it is South. That is correct. Okay. Um, That's probably it. Ryan, what is the uh, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Fleetwood Mac. Efren, how about you? I'm gonna laugh. Um, Ramon Ayala, which is a uh, Norteño uh, Mexican band. All right, Efren, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through. Um. The Whataburger Patty Melt. Solid answer. Ryan, how about you? Arby's Beef and Cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I just had one the other day on the way back from Puerto Rico. You had to go there, bro. <laughs> I had to. All right. <laughs> Ryan, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Olajuwon. Efren, how about you? Nolan Ryan. All right, and then Efren, finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? I want to try a caprese first, Neapolitan, and then the next just straight-up pepperoni. Ryan, how about you? I have to go straight pepperoni for the initial test. All right. Efren, give us the website and social media and all that stuff for Palace Social. Uh, palacesocial.com, uh, at Palace Social Instagram, uh, and just Palace, the Palace Social on Facebook. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Cool. Thank, thank you, you man. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. I welcome your feedback via email, eric, E-R-I-C, at culturemap.com. And of course, I always appreciate your comments and reviews. But like Katie Nolan says, only if they're five stars and only if they're nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.